Quick update before we start. You can find the show now on YouTube with recorded video footage of all my interviews, Spotify, which I'm super stoked about being on my favorite music platform, iTunes and Podbean. The link is 21artistshow.com. At the moment, the link guides you to my main page. Just select podcast. Hopefully we can fix this issue with my domain provider in the near future. I'm talking to you, Vix.com. Don't let me hanging on this. I also just noticed that this is now episode four and the third microphone I was using on this podcast. They all sound so different, but since also my guests record in their own quality, this is kind of fitting. Hi everyone, I'm joined today by Oliver Hollis-like, an actor and performance capture specialist who has worked in the industry for 15 years. With almost 100 credits to his name, including Iron Man 2, Ant-Man, Hitman, The Master Chief in Halo, Call of Duty, Quantum Break, Until Dawn and many many more. There's a misconception about motion capture that a large part of it is playing creatures. You know, people look at things like um, Lord of the Rings or um, you know, Warcraft or something like that. And they imagine that, that motion capture is all about, you know, weird werewolves and goblins and ogres. And, but, but the reality is, if you think about the uh, top 10 video games at any one time, you're looking at titles like Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, Red Dead Redemption, Until Dawn. It's all people. I'm your host Alexander Richter and you are listening to The 21 Artist Show, a podcast that inspires creatives to make meaningful content to pursue their passions. I'm talking with creators, artists and engineers about their careers, the lessons they have learned and how to make an impact. This episode will also be more on the visual side, so I recommend you to watch it on YouTube if you like to see the additional footage and get some meat to the bone of how performance capture really looks like. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Oliver, for joining us today and uh, giving us a chance to dive in into your profession and see like how you went where you are now. So I think the first question would be is like, how did you came to be a performance capture artist and working in the industry altogether? Um, it was pure luck in my case. Uh, I happened to have uh, the right set of skills at the right moment. I'd been uh, doing martial arts and gymnastics for several years uh, and I had uh, been recruited as a kind of a, a, a jack of all trades on a, a low budget movie uh, in London. So I was in an, these offices in Old Street working on this crazy, crazy aliens coming to earth, martial arts competition kind of mad film. And uh, I met a guy on that project called Ashley Beck. Uh, we became good friends, we started to train together um, and he mentioned at one point that he'd done this thing called motion capture. And uh, he said they were looking for an extra guy to, to, to do another job and would I be interested? And I said, yeah, it sounds cool. I'd love to work in video games. I've been playing video games all my life, so why not? Um, so I auditioned to play like a, a thug in the game Alias, which was made from the TV show, um, the one with Jennifer Garner. And essentially, I had to get beaten up by Ashley Beck. So the audition was me taking punches, obviously not for real, um, but just uh, you know taking falls and, and doing that kind of stuff. Um, and then afterwards, I got a phone call and they said, yeah, we'd like you to, to be in the game. So the first shoot was with a company called Centroid, um, uh, the mocap studio, and that was down in Cheltenham. And uh, it was three days of um, what I found to be fantastic. You know, at that point I wanted to be like an action actor in movies. 
And this was just three days of that. I was doing somersaults, you know, falling downstairs, pretend stairs, and uh, doing flips, getting beaten up, and basically being an amateur Jackie Chan uh, with one of my best friends. So it was a great time. So when, when exactly did you start with that? What was the year, basically, when you first did your motion capture? It was uh, just after the millennium, 2001, as we entered this, this golden 21st century. So it was kind of the, the, the new phase of the motion capture basically starting oh, yeah. at this moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, they had just passed the point where they were pretty much strapping ping pong balls to Lycra suits. Um, but they still had these rock hard markers. At that point, it was all about data. It was a very technically driven um, and still is a very technically driven industry. And so the performer was not really considered at that point. And so they would have these rock hard markers where if you fell or did a roll or something, you'd wake up the next day and look like you'd been paintballing, have all these purple circles all over your body. Oh, oh yeah. man. So basically, um, one of the reasons like we, we kind of uh, get together today is basically because we met some years ago. Uh, basically, when I was at the Film Academy in Germany, you did a course there in motion capture. And I remember like I talked with you and there was like something I, I was like, um, everyone I bring to this show is always about some spark I see in the people. So I, I'd like to kind of in, like explore the spark and understand like, because you, you told me about this stuff already about your mo uh, martial arts career. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like, it, it makes sense. And it's weird at the same time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a way that that's like, oh, that this is like, the new generation of, of uh, like actress, basically, in a way, or stuntman, or however you want to describe that. And I was like, wow, this, that's why I wanted to have you here. So I think we, we should start in the first thing, because um, you are basically a performance capture artist uh, now. And it's like the very simple state, even if we have a lot of like um, people who are listening who are from the industry, just to make sure, what is the, the, the specific difference between motion capture and performance capture? Um, so performance capture is a relatively new term, maybe maybe 10 years old. Um, prior to that, it was always referred to as motion capture. And the term performance capture arose when people started to capture the facial animation, the, the, uh, the uh, facial expressions of the performer, and also sound. Um, prior to that, it was all about body. That's all it was. It was, it was capturing the body motion for video games and some movies. Um, but it was people like Andy Serkis and James Cameron who started to try and get a bit more recognition and respect for the, for the art form by bringing forth the term performance capture. So basically, you can say that motion capture was this, um, like you were just doing like all the movements without, mostly without face, without voice. It was just basically like creating a library while performance capture is is the closest at the moment we can get to be a 3D actor. Yeah, the, uh, to be honest, the terms are kind of vague and di different people use them in different ways. But the way I would always consider performance capture is if you're capturing drama. You know, if you're, it, it could actually, I, th I believe performance capture can happen without um, head mounted cameras and audio because, you know, ballet is performance, physical theater is performance, mime is performance. Um, and so it's difficult to use those terms, but I would say performance capture relates to drama, whereas on the technical side, performance capture refers to face, hands, body, voice. 
you gave like life to Iron Man, Ant Man, the Master Chief from Halo, and so many more. Is it kind of a pressure for you, especially as as a, as a former gamer, or maybe even even now gamer, who's like has this iconic characters and perform for them? And also the the second one is basically who was your first? The first big character I played was probably uh, I think it was Iron Man. Uh, it was it was a hell of a day because in um, in motion capture, very often, traditionally, you turn up and you really don't know who you're going to play. Uh, I, that day, I had no idea. I, I got uh, booked for the job. They never tell you what it is because they don't want you to blab all over the internet. You know, that, you know, I'm playing Iron Man, which I wouldn't do, but but some people do do. Uh, so I turned up and uh, there's a bunch of VFX guys I already know from working on other stuff. And they said, uh, so how would you like to play Iron Man? And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm going to play Iron Man. <laughs> and I said, what for? What is it? And they said, it's going to be for the second movie. Um, what do you think? I was like, hell yeah. And so I, you know, I leapt into the Lycra suit, headed out, and they, they already had the previous screen set up with the virtual uh, production, the, with the actual character of Iron Man on screen. And I, I then spent maybe half an hour, an hour, working with the VFX guys to just match Iron Man's Marvel poses. Because they, you know, every Marvel character has a very specific library of poses and postures, uh, and and so we we started doing that. And I actually shared that role with my old friend Ashley Beck, who who got me into motion capture. And uh, we actually he would do a lot of the like uh, falls and flips and stuff, and then I would do the more static performance based stuff. Um, and then we would alternate playing Whiplash as well. So we did a bit for Whiplash, and we switched over and did Iron Man. Um, and you asked about pressure. Uh, the thing is, like, by by the time I'd done that, I'd already been doing motion capture for several years, uh, and so you build up you build up confidence. You you build up an understanding of how to do it, and so it switches from being pressure to being um, excitement. You know, you you know you can pull it off. It's just a matter of time, and so uh, it's just so much fun to do that stuff. Like in general, do you work with also with the actors or is this mostly with director or some uh, motion capture performance capture director who kind of leads you or do you have the chance to work with, especially like, for example, in uh, Robert Downey Jr. or Paul Roth or something like that, one of these, these actors who played the role you were embodying in the 3D world? I think uh, having Robert Downey Jr. watch me playing uh, Iron Man would not only be intimidating, it would be incredibly awkward. So fortunately, uh, that isn't uh, that isn't commonplace. Uh, and also, the reason that um, I end up doing it is because the truth is to get Robert Downey Jr. in to do it for another day is going to cost a fortune. And uh, my salary is not quite as high as Robert Downey Jr.'s. So, um, it, it's easier to, to just come in, and, and I, you know, I don't even work with the directors of those movies most of the time. It's usually a VFX, um, the, the animation director from the VFX company, who will take me through it. Yeah, that's that's why I was so so interested in that. How much uh, like. Um... How is the sausage sausage made a little bit? Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> if you if you see the movies, you yes, of course you ha you know that, that there are stuntmen involved, and you probably guess that maybe parts of it are by performance capture artists. But then, if you how do you describe that? You even split with between two people this one role and and all the steps. It was like wow, okay, like you you never thought that it is like 
much more built in pieces than you always think like generally Definitely. like you know like and this is like a, a thing you always have to consider if you if you watch this kind of movies or you watch this or play these games uh, you have to consider how much pieces are there and everyone has to be on the same page and on the same mindset up that it in the end it can work you know because if your movement for example doesn't align with his uh, or with your partners at this moment, uh, it lo you you can feel it. Like you yeah. can feel that it's someone else is like it's kind of like oh someone else is is playing now the the, the one in the suit kind of way for example in this case, and I think this is kind of very important to to get back and understand how the industry is kind of like uh, more complicated than you would think of sometimes in these cases so because you do all the stunt work like do you get do you get hurt even even if you work inside a closed environment even if you work like inside like you, as you said you, you don't really fall the steps i'm pretty sure there are steps involved but it's not the same as falling down the steps somewhere somewhere in a hallway but how much is the like the hurting part still going on in your uh, experience? Well, I'm not allowed to do stunts anymore. Uh, when I first started, it was kind of like the Wild West. You know, they would ask you to do all kinds of things with no mats and, and whatever. They just didn't have, an, they, you know, these were, these were technical people who'd ended up working in a theatrical setting. So they just didn't have any experience. They didn't know to give the equity stunt register a call and get a guy in for that. They, you know, they would just kind of improvise and, and it, it could get pretty hairy at times. But but nowadays, um, if, if the action crosses over into stunt territory, like wire work or high falls, I, they immediately I'm not allowed to do it, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but I have been hurt and, and the injuries are often very subtle uh, things, you know, like uh, um, I've hurt my back twice, pretty badly actually, on two shoots to the point where after the, immediately after the injury, I was completely incapable of continuing. Uh, on the first one, it was the same thing both times. The director asked me to do something that was unwise, um, and they put pressure on me, and I uh, foolishly went along with it. And uh, I, I, I think it's an old back injury that got triggered both times. And that's the thing is that, you know, directors in any in any field, and I'm sure, you know, VFX people work with directors who come and say, you know, I need this and you've got to do it this way. And, and you know, you say yes, and then you cancel your weekend plans and you're in the office late at night. And, and we're always being put under pressure by people who want more. And so it's about it's about knowing your limits and it's about saying, I can't do that. And I, and I made the mistake of not saying that. How does does they do it now? Because if you if you don't do these stunts anymore, is it like completely animated then? For no, the they'll get a crazy stuff. Yeah, they'll get a stuntman in. So, so one of the things you were talking about earlier about uh, all the different components that go to make a piece of work is one of the things I love most about motion capture. You know, you've got the character designer comes in first. They create the you know the concept artist, then the character modeler, then the rigger. Then you've got the uh, lead animator who imagines how this character should should move, and then you bring in an actor who interprets it in one way, but not just one actor. So I would do all the drama stuff now, but you would have a stunt guy who would come in and do all the full. So it's still motion capture, but it's someone who is very aware of the, the capabilities of their own body. They know what equipment they need to be able to perform something. And so by the time you get this final character, you've got all these different people who've come together to make it work. I think that's really cool. 
what would be interesting always in this kind of area because it's like it's like uh, being a film actor you you think you know what they do but if you really look look into their jobs it's mostly for example waiting like they're basically uh 99% of the time they're like of course preparation of course but especially on the set they just wait and then they have to perform for a second and then they they wait like 10 minutes again and for a second so for me it would be interesting um to understand like I know you probably don't have a typical day because uh, I, I'm, since I know you have like also like a company and do seminars and stuff like that. But for me, in terms of like if you perform for, a, for example, a game, um, what would you set down like as a performance uh, capture artist? What is like the typical day you can describe where uh, like if you put it up in eight to 10 hours? It depends on what I'm being asked to do. If I'm working on locomotion for a video game character, that's all the individual moves that, that the character does while the player is playing. Um, those days are incredibly intense. Um, and then there's the, the alternative, which is cinematics, which is all dramatic stuff, um, lines and, and, and uh, performance and that kind of thing. Those days are a bit easier, but the thing that, that is unique about motion capture is there's no lighting setups, no camera setups. And so the, the thing that causes all that waiting around for actors on in the movie business doesn't exist in motion capture. So unless they're building a big set, which can take time, then there's, there's absolutely no obstacle to shooting nonstop. And so on a video game locomotion shoot, it's just me, maybe one other person in the middle of the volume a couple of mats maybe for the more difficult stuff and nothing else. And so they just shoot, shoot, shoot all day long. So I'll get in at 7.30. They'll get in the, skip me in the suit, mark me up, uh, do a range of motion, set up the system. By nine o'clock, the client's in and, and they want to get going. Because it's expensive in motion capture, their producer maybe only managed to budget for one or two days for, for the project. And so it means that the... The uh, animator is under an immense amount of pressure to get everything they need into two days. And so it's not uncommon for me to be drenched in sweat, running up and down the, the, the volume. Um, on uh, Quantum Break, it was a particularly intense uh, schedule. And on the third day, when I got out of bed, I could barely move. Uh, I mean, it was, I was, it was just every movement hurt because I'd done... They told me that at the end of that shoot, in three and a half days, I'd done a thousand moves, which is insane. Um, and so it's it's hard. Hitman was the same. Hitman was really hard. I was, you know, completely broken by the end of it um, on, a, on a muscular level. I was just exhausted. Um, whereas doing um, a cinematic shoot, it's much more... Um, okay, let's do a rehearsal. Great. Yeah, let's get the setup. Okay, I'm going to shoot it from here. And have you thought about this? And, and all the kind of typical drama discussions you might have on a film set, um, but still relatively quick paced. It's just less action oriented normally. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't even imagine that it will be so intense. I mean, Yes, I also did like this also in your course, for example, I also did the motion capture uh, like going through, but of course not in the way of quick production. So it's it's kind of surprising that that you that you do like so much work. So like that means also you have to stay fit. 
Like, do you, do you have to be like on top of your game? In theory, but uh, I'm pretty lazy when it comes down to it. So I never go to the gym, which is probably why I feel terrible after three days of motion capture. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I tend to spend a lot of time on computers playing around with things. So I don't actually do as much exercise as I should. Uh, but I would recommend it to anybody who wants to do it. Yeah. I think your previous exercise in being a martial artist is kind of helpful here, and um, and also you can your your performance is the gym basically. That sounds yeah. sounds like a little bit. <laughs> I, I think I must have saved hundreds and hundreds on gym memberships just from doing motion capture. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you also do animals. Um, occasionally, the thing about doing um, there's a misconception about motion capture that a large part of it is playing creatures. You know, people look at things like. Um, Lord of the Rings or um, you know Warcraft or something like that and they imagine that, that motion capture is all about you know weird werewolves and goblins and ogres and but but the reality is if you think about the uh, top 10 video games at any one time you're looking at titles like Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, Red Dead Redemption, Until Dawn it's all people um, and so when they need animals depending on the animal, they'll actually get an animal in. I know at Centroid they've done camels, they've done horses, they've done greyhounds, elephants. Um, I, I saw that fantastic piece made at the Film Academy. Um, I think it was called Animan. And they had, it was extraordinary. I love that piece because they motion captured birds, dogs and cats, but then retargeted it onto a human character. And I thought that was just, it was incredible to say. I recommend anybody to, to watch that. Um, but I've worked with dogs, which is great fun. Um, and the difficult thing is getting them to do what you want. But they'll, they'll generally get animals in. I've played uh, a lot of creatures, um, you know, quadrupedal animals, which is really tough. Um, but, uh, you know, if they're really going to go for it, they'll get someone like Terry Notary, who's an extraordinary uh, ape performer. Um, yeah, so occasionally, but not very often. So first thing, I think while you were t talking, uh, also you described your um, w w how you perform. We should put some footage of you working. <laughs> so if you can share it out with, with us, that would be fantastic. I'll okay. try. Like if you, if you have something, that would be fantastic. Second one, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I was the lead technical director on Anyman. Ah, okay, I so. didn't know that. I, didn't, I honestly didn't know that. So yeah, it was definitely one of the craziest projects I was ever in, uh, and also the like the two director, M Michael and Nico, they were like so driven. And for me, that when they pitched this idea of uh, capturing animals, I was like, they're nuts. Like literally, I was like everyone in the room. We had like we had this big meeting, and they, you know, it's like every project you need like more like at least half a year it was of production. It was very quick, like the whole thing, uh, production was three months. Um, so it was basically, but pre-production was one or two. And everyone in the room was like, wow, this is like, this sounds just stupid. Like mm. really literally, like, because it's like, w w like sounds strange. It was not the whole Pixar, it was not uh, Marvel, it was something weird. Mm. So when I was listening, I was kind of like, okay, I'm, I, I'm interested in this part. I, I, I don't want to be the lead or something. I just want to explore this part. One month later, I was the lead. I was so involved <laughs> in this whole thing. And we, we uh, get a cat, we get a dog, we get, we get a buzzard. 
Um, and it was super weird just to find out how to capture it because uh, motion, uh, motion Builder, for example, couldn't ha handle quadruple uh, like objects at all, like beings. So it was a problem. So we ended up doing 2D tracking uh, of um, of like because we tried all the, all the opportunities and like motive, but it ended up to be too disturbing for the animals, especially like for a cat or a dog, like a buzzard. Like all of them are like kind of smallish, so they were like 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 picking off their markers yeah. or they, they like the, the funniest thing was when when you saw the dog like he was running like he was running through snow you know like deep snow because he like the markers kind of stiffened him so he was just running weird so we kind of decided to put visual markers on him and then put like an area of 16 gopros and then just uh, record whatever we found and then we track them and 2d tracking into 3d world and give it a go it was Definitely a weird project, but uh, yeah, we, we learned so much, and you basically learned how uh, improvised you can create such a stuff. So uh, f again, thank you very much for the compliment. How difficult <laughs> was it to retarget the animation onto uh, a human character? Did it require a lot of tweaking, or was it fairly straightforward? Yeah, since uh, yeah, it was basically we had a lot of problems because basically the whole limping uh, limbs and stuff. It's of course, not the same, especially with the buzzard. It was it was basically very broken. Um, but um, since we always uh, always uh, played with the idea of uncanny valley, um, we we were allowed like for us ourselves kind of we were allowed to break the character, uh, being a little bit more creepy without. Um, and and we we were more on the side of we wanted to have as real uh, movement as possible, even if it looks a little bit creepy yeah so which is basically the opposite of a movie normally like you normally try to be like okay it should be should be as much as human as possible and the reality put it a little bit to side so if he ha just have to flatter his wings it's that's it is so it was definitely a, a interesting challenge but yeah it was um, a fun one i have to say it was one of the funniest funniest and interesting thing I've, I've ever done like this whole project itself but um so i can absolutely relate to the whole process and um yeah how it's how it like i like shooting i think this is also one of the things i i personally enjoy even if i'm, I'm a computer guy i i like to be on set i think this is definitely one of the things i i'm uh, a little bit jealous about your job um, is to be on set and really like perform with your body or talk with people, be there, see what you do. Um, and yeah, basically. Yeah, would be, <laughs> by the way, it would be really cool if you have some footage uh, to share with us, uh, because especially when you were describing um, your, your, your performance, it was like, oh, I was like having some flashes of, of you doing the performance there, um, especially in your capture suit. It was like, if you have this kind of things, it would be amazing. To, to be honest, it's really hard to get it because the, um, the, the, the uh, developers or you know the the production companies are so paranoid about leaks so paranoid about and it's not even just leaks they're really paranoid about people seeing how they did it um, they, they oh, well. really want to keep it a mystery so that you see the finished final product only and um, I tell you one uh, which is a bit a bit noisy maybe I shouldn't remember remind you of the um, project name but I worked on one video game where I'd been doing the motion capture on and off for about three months for 
uh, a recognizable character. Um, and uh, at the end of the, um, on one of the, the shoot days, near the end of the, the capture sessions, uh, they brought in a, a famous stunt guy who was associated with this character and did a promo shoot for half a day with him um, to suggest that he'd done all of the motion capture for the main character. And so the three months of work that I and other people had done was completely disregarded for the sake of a promo shoot to make, make them look more, um, make them look cooler, make the product look more legitimate. Uh, and, and that is the kind of stuff that happens. You know, when, you, when you're, you are the anonymous figure in Lycra and you, whether they reveal who you are or not is in, entirely down to them. And I've had it both ways. I've had people really celebrate the work of the motion capture actors and I've had people kind of quietly shuffle it under the carpet and say, you know, oh, say a named A-list actor did the voiceover, they'll try and suggest that they also did the motion capture. So it's a funny oh, wow. one, it's, it's, which is why it's hard for me <laughs> to get actual footage of it. What I would usually do, because I was trying to build a showreel for so long, that in the lunch breaks on these projects, if I was working with somebody else, we'd quickly um, set up a couple of shots of ourselves doing something, uh, capture that, switch around, the other person would do something, and then quickly go and get our lunch before starting back on the shoot again. It was the only way to get footage. Oh, wow. I, I, I didn't imagine. I mean, yes, it's always complicated to get. Uh, I mean, even as, a, as an artist in this industry, it's kind of like you have to wait a half a year, a year before you can even put something in your reel. And then you have like uh, your secret reels with password, where you, which you can send to other people yeah, right. and say like, hey, <laughs> I worked on that project. Uh, like you really. Uh, and so it's very complicated, very fast. Uh, so I can imagine. Uh, yeah, it would be just just cool. So what's always interesting, and for example, um, on the last um, on the last talk with with Carl Rosendale, we had, we talked about company culture, and um, we, I don't want to start this one, but uh, f we also talked about ego, because you, you just started like a little bit because you're always in the background, you your face are basically never shown. I would say, um, yeah, even like on, on Quantum Break, of course, like uh, because there's a lot of uh, at the moment going on where, where actors start to get uh, face scans and they're used that. But uh, as far as I know, that, that's, that didn't much happen with your performance so far. Um, so what about like, like in this case of like being recognized or being like recognized for your work, of course, but also sometimes like you played this character but no one knows it or no one sees it or so like, like, yeah, what's, what's the feeling with that, with that about you? I, I, the thing about, um, I think it really comes down to why you're doing the work. And, um, if you're doing the work to be recognized, um, then you're always going to have ego conflicts, you know, particularly in motion capture where there is so little recognition for the performers. Uh, and that is, it's, it's changing, it's definitely changing. Um, motion capture is more in the spotlight and as a result, uh, more people are being recognized for their work, especially with things like head scans. Um, but there's a price to pay for that. You know, if movie actors get bothered all the time walking down the street, a friend of mine from drama school, she was in a TV show that became very successful. And I was out with her and a bunch of friends from drama school one night, and she was just being hassled constantly all night long in this bar. Everybody coming up to her and expecting that they could have a photograph, have an autograph, that she was basically public property. Now, so the upside of what I do is that I get to work on really cool stuff 
with really cool people doing some incredibly creative stuff, and then I get to go home at the end of the day and nobody bothers me about it. And uh, you know, within the industry itself, you make a name for yourself. So the people that matter start to hear about who you are. And you know, you know as well as I do that people move around a lot in this industry. You'll spend a year at one company, go to another one, go to another one. And so people carry your reputation with them. And that's how I've built up my, my career is just by people recommending me. And so, you know, I, I, it doesn't really bother me, to be honest. Uh, and, and it's nice when people say, oh, I, I really like what you did on that game, but it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> it definitely happened. It definitely happened uh, with with me. So I really liked what you did in that game. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of of Hitman, for example. Oh, and, cool. Um, and yeah, of course, like I played Halo. I'm not I'm not the biggest biggest Halo player, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to like. It was kind of a surprise for me. Even even if I knew I wanted to to talk with you, I was kind of still a surprise when I was researching you and I was like seeing all the all the names and all the characters you played. I was like, oh. Okay, like uh, I, I knew you were part of, like an important part of the industry, but okay, this is longer than I thought it will be. <laughs> so it was also like, uh, like yeah, it's a, it's a pleasant surprise to to see you be there. And of course, you're right. It's in a way, uh, it's always about the right people that have to know that you know the right people in the industry. If it's it's always, I mean, you, I think the older you get, the more you work with the same people. Because you you love how they work, you love to work with them, you um, the respect and the way they work, and um, you will kind of like like drift off always if if they have a job. You're like yeah, of course. And uh, if you build enough of this, it's a networking uh, game in a way. If you build enough of the networking game and you showed that you can perform, <laughs> in your case literally, then um, it's uh, you will have enough work basically uh, but it's still I think it's always a thing of of being recognized for your work in a way is is an I think it's a human nature and a little bit sure uh, to be to be on the poster to be to see yourself in the game or be the first name that pops up somewhere so I, 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 I like that that you kind of um, kind of under, like You you know you're you're doing performance, but you know also it is part of a project, which is basically some some people don't don't see that, and I think that's very important. Actors are so keen to take credit for this stuff as well, and they you know because I understand how the post production side works, you know I I, I say um, every, all the performance is part of a project, it's part of, part of a piece of work, and so. You know, the guy who created the shader that allows the skin to look so incredibly real and the eyes to look so incredibly real in the final product doesn't get any credit. You know, the guy who created the extraordinary lighting setup um, doesn't get any credit. The person who did the character model design doesn't get any credit, not to mention the set builder. All these people who work in the digital medium and very rarely get recognition for what they do. And I don't think that's a, a new thing. You know, everybody knows Leonardo da Vinci, but how many people know his apprentices' names who sat there and did a lot of that extra work? Um, uh, and so, you know, I think I, it's nice to stand in solidarity with everybody else who's also not getting credit. You know, like all the VFX artists, the animators, the, the, the technical artists, all of those people who, who do a lot of hard work and, and it all comes down to one company name on the credits. 
you know, so often. So it's okay. It's, 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 and I think as well, like in this industry, people, people can get really funny about that stuff. And, but it's true the world over, you know, you, whether it's architects or house builders or plumbers or, or, or you know, technology designers, you, you know, we don't know who invented the home button on, a, on, a, on an Apple product. And it's some, some guy is out there who's like, that was mine and nobody knows it. You know, and I, it's, it's the world over. It. It's somebody's always taking credit for someone else's work. Yeah, I don't think it's also important. Like you know, in the end of the day, it's like it's like if you're the inventor of the internet, like so what? Like that, like th does it make your life better? Are your relationships suddenly better? Are your working life suddenly better because you can say you created the iPhone, you created um, the first motion capture, you created the first whatever stereoscopic movie? Uh, you don't feel better. Like yes, you have this kind of like oh, I did something great, but it pushes you only so far but what basically what you basically described what pushes you very far is kind of like you're recognized in the industry if people like hire you they know who you are they know what you did and then they will say like oh yeah we know that he can perform that uh, we respect what he did before so we we treat him also this way and i think this is the more important way you know, like, like your daily life instead of like the just the fame which again everyone impulsively strives to which is uh, this thing but I, I think in the end of the day you should always um, recognize and I see that also here at work for example it it, it doesn't matter if I'm work on the biggest high performing budget uh, like movie Marvel film Disney film in the end of the day I'm I have like two things which are important for me is my colleagues and the tasks I'm given like are they challenging are they interesting do I learn new things and if they, this two doesn't work I can work on Guardians of Galaxy 3. It doesn't matter. I will be frustrated, desperate, bored, whatever. And yeah, so this is kind of like the the thing. You kind of like a little bit in your position, you 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 have to understand also very quickly, I think, you know, like to to that the fame is not as important as the, the work itself. You've got to enjoy what yeah. you do. If if you you know, if you're in the studio and you're thinking about like, oh God, so many people are gonna see this, I'm gonna get so much recognition, then your mind's in the wrong place. I mean, obviously you have those thoughts, but it's all about enjoying creating, not getting recognition for your creations, you know, to a certain degree anyway. By the way, are you working on Guardians of the Galaxy 3? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was an example. I, I work on Mon... I, I <laughs> That was uh, you got me here. <laughs> I was like, I got you no, there. I'm, I'm, I'm working on monsters at work for Disney, so uh, it's not the same. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, the Disney Plus series. So um, <laughs> a fake example. Uh, after the call, you can tell me the plot so of Guardians I, of the Galaxy Three. Exactly, I, I will apply afterwards. <laughs> now that you told me that, I was like, damn it, I have to do it now. So I, I'm interested a little bit because um, from being an, uh, like a performance capture, motion capture artist, you basically founded your own company. You have, a, I think, a co-founder also. Yeah, John Dower. And exactly. And now you're doing seminars. So like, what's the gist with your, with your new company at the moment? And also a little bit like with your current life in terms of like, how much do you do still performance, seminars? Yeah. Uh, uh, because motion capture was, was such a closed system for so long, 
there were very few people doing it regularly. It was the same, it was honestly, it was the same five people who did absolutely everything. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, when you are, when your likeness is not part of the package, you can play dozens and dozens and dozens of characters and nobody is the wiser. As long as you're a reasonably good actor, you know, no one's going to know it's you every time. So that's not an issue. Um, but the second reason is because it is quite a specific skill, uh, people didn't want to take a chance on somebody new just for the sake of it. You know, they thought, well, this guy works, this, this woman works, I'm going to stick with them. I like working with them. They do a good job. I'm going to stick with them. So for, for honestly, for maybe 12 years, it was just me and the same four or five other people doing absolutely everything. And that meant that the greater acting community didn't know anything about motion capture. And then Andy Serkis comes along and he's, you know, talking about this great world of motion capture and suddenly people are starting to notice it, but they still don't know anything about it. And so it was um, on one particular job, uh, 007 Legends, which was a, an Activision game, where um, they had a really good casting process and they were bringing in um, very experienced TV and theatre actors uh, to do this job. And I would see time and time again, they could never achieve their best because they spent the first half of the day just orienting themselves to a completely new environment. No audience, no cameras, no lights, no costume, um, no understanding of animation, no understanding of video games, no understanding of uh, character rigs and the simplicity of them and how much uh, gets lost in the translation between reality and uh, digital animation, particularly at that time. And so they would, they would fall back on the only thing they knew how to do, which was performing for theatre or performing for film. Those that performed for film would underplay everything. Uh, they, there was, you know, when you saw it on the, the final character, it, it would look completely dead. Those that were performing for theatre wouldn't appreciate that there's still a camera in the scene, that they would have to modify their, the size of their performance depending on their proximity from the camera. And so they were just all over the place. And the, the sad thing is these were good actors. These were people who were doing really well in theatre and, and TV and film. And so the director on that project was a guy called John Dower. And uh, we would spend a lot of evenings kind of hanging out after the shoots and just talking about it. He'd worked on Milo and Kate, um, the project that never came out, uh, sadly, but he'd had a lot of experience seeing uh, what the actors did and what it looked like on animation. And we both agreed that it was a real shame that these actors weren't able to give better performances because they simply didn't understand the medium they were working in. And so at that time, we came up with the idea of uh, sharing what we'd learned with, with actors. So we started to teach uh, classes. In the beginning, it was really difficult to fill a classroom of 12 people. You know, we'd get eight people. Half of them would be martial artists or dancers. They wouldn't be actors. And um, they just wanted to work in motion capture. They didn't appreciate that it was a, a different art form. You know, I get emails from people that say, I'm a martial artist. I was born to do motion capture. How do I get into it? And I would have to explain to them, it's not that simple. There's actually quite a lot of nuance to this, to this art form. So over the years, 
um, you would see more mocap movies. You would see more behind-the-scenes featurettes from Avatar or you know whatever. And, and actors started to go, "Hang on a second, this is a legitimate medium. People I know are getting work in in this sphere. You know, they're getting their head scans, their likenesses uh, going into these projects. I want to do this." Our classes started to fill up more and more, and now you know people book three months in advance to go to one of our classes. Um, we have a, a curriculum, so we teach an introduction to motion capture, you know, as a whole, and then we teach a whole day just on creating characters because character really is the the fundamental principle. Uh, I often say that the, the the best thing about motion capture is also the most challenging thing, and that is that you can play anybody, which is great, but you also need to be able to play anybody. And so, you know, actors who spent their careers playing a certain type of person suddenly have to stretch beyond uh, their visual appearance. They're not just playing the same guy with the same accent. They're playing a completely different person um, in every, every project. And then we teach actors about environment, how to create a completely imaginary world from, from their own mind, because they're working in these empty warehouses. And then we start to put them in the suits and run them through scenes and teach them how to apply those skills to a real industry setting. And then we have a big event, which is kind of like a graduation ceremony called the MoCap Summit, where we have actors, animators, technicians, um, directors, all coming together for two days to create motion capture, to learn how to use the technology and to actually make make art. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, basically that's how we met because you were doing one of these, um, we, because we in the Film Academy had also actors. We have like an acting acting class part and we were doing, and you were doing basically the, I don't know if it was an introduction, um, but it was definitely like a multiple days uh, motion capture session and this but what, what, what we mean you you mentioned uh, so so basically it's also like uh, you you changed your career to adapt to your situation because uh, it's kind of it's like basically being an actor in itself is like you cannot act for 30 years realistically as your main income or your main job where you say like okay i will work for let's say seven months a year that will be already like full <laughs> that will be already amazing um so yeah so basically it's a natural step for you like being so long in the industry i think like 11 12 years i think you said uh, before you before you started to to get your own there are many situations where i was being asked to play characters i should not have been asked to play you know people that were were genuinely outside of you know i'm i'm versatile because i've grown up in that um industry i've been asked to do these things and i've had a lot of opportunities to practice but there there are people who should be playing those roles you know I, i've been asked to play um people of you know african origin and it's like Personally, I don't think that's that's a good idea because there are so many cultural idiosyncrasies, there are so many nuances, so many um, patterns of speech and cultural um, kind of uh, tendencies that would take me years and years to learn. You know, even even people of the same ethnicity, but but from a different country. If I was to play a French person, if I was to do it right now, it would be a stereotype. I need to spend time among these people, finding out what they're like and, and how they move and how they think and what their cultural norms are. And so, you know, casting for motion capture should work in a very similar way to the way it does for, for film. You know, they should be finding the best person for the job. And because 
actors didn't have a training in motion capture, animation companies and game companies were just too nervous about hiring these people. They, they thought it could be, you know, they could throw thousands of pounds down the drain um, taking a chance. And so it seemed like a good thing to start giving more and more people training in uh, motion capture so that the industry would also have more and more choice when, when casting for these projects. So for, for me, it was also interesting because uh, the first thing, first time like it became for me famous was basically when I watched Uncharted making offs and Last of Us, which is like uh, mostly like uh, uh, Troy Baker, uh, who, who did the main characters in that ones. And of course, the, the, the big one, which you already mentioned, Andy Serkis, which became very, very famous, even as part of the medium of his motion capture performance capture performance uh, is Gollum. So uh, the question here a little bit is like, how much does it like stigmatize a little bit what performance capture or motion capture is by, by uh, like someone like Andy Serkis who like kind of uh, brought it to the daylight, but also is kind of like everything's now is Gollum. Like every if you if you basically say something about hey I'm I'm a motion capture artist or a performance capture artist, everyone's like oh like did you see Gollum? Did you see Andy Serkis? It's like how much is that uh, like a positive or even like uh, annoying thing maybe for you as as someone who's like it's a double edged sword because uh, in one case you know it was um, the moment when I understood that my uh, job was not a complete mystery to the general public anymore, was when I was in a taxi and a guy was asking me what I, what I did for a living. And I told him, and he goes, oh yeah, like Gollum. Like, you know, that Andy Serkis <laughs> bloke. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, great. You've got a reference point now. I can, I, I, and that, for a while that became my reference point. I go, yeah, like this guy, I do the same, I do the same thing. Um, but then on the other hand, uh, people, might see that as the only type of work that happens. And of course it isn't. As I've said to you, it's mainly playing human characters. Um, and so it has its pros and cons. Also, just a, a quick note on that, because I, I know, you know there is a... Um, people, people might look at Gollum and think it is the creation of, of Andy Serkis. And what I try to remind people so often is that the amount of work that goes in to post-production, you know, you were talking about Animan and, and the amount of effort it took to apply those animals to, to that character. Well, the same thing happens with every, almost every single character. Animators have to get their hands dirty, get into that motion and make it work for that character. You know, pushing joints around, moving the data into better positions so that the character looks right. And, and so, you know, acting for motion capture is way more collaborative than it is with other mediums. I think that's that's a misconception people have when they look at people like Andy Serkis. They think that it's all him, and of course it's not. I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I see the same thing. I, I always felt like um, it was really good that he pushed it, and I think he pushed it very hard, like he kind of created a celebrity status for himself a little bit in this way, which is um, which created like for, for people like you a big opening. Definitely. Um, like for, for your industry, for like for yourself, for you, for you as a person, but also for the industry as a recognition, as a future job. So basically, and I think I would like to end also with the last question is like, how much do you do you see um, like performance capture as the future of acting is like first one and what would you like recommend 
someone who wants to dive in because you already said like oh, like martial artists think they are already the shit for that so basically um the, my, my question is like do you see it as as a future of acting in terms of it will replace more and more the general typical way because we have so much cg now and the second one is like what you would recommend someone if he wants to be part of that and he thinks like this is interesting as for what the future is uh, I, i'm not sure uh, what i like about motion capture is that it's very accessible so uh you know, the, think about what the DSLR did for filmmaking. Suddenly, you didn't need a, a film, expensive film stock. You didn't need all of this gear to be able to make a movie. You could take an, an affordable digital SLR, a couple of vintage lenses, and uh, make a movie. And I see motion capture doing the same thing. You know, HTC Vive. Um, you can you can buy a few extra trackers. Um, plug them into Unreal Engine, download a special plugin, and you can do motion capture in your living room, you know, for under under a thousand pound, which is incredible. And I've done it and it works. And, and, you know, I just bought an app for my phone called FaceCap, which means I can do facial animation with my iPhone 10 and apply it to a character in real time. You know, so already I've got a, almost a full performance capture set up for under 2,000 pound. That's extraordinary. And I think that's going to mean that People will make use of things like Unity and Unreal, download all those free assets and make short films or, or feature length films. And, and that's, that's an incredible step for, for, for creators to be able to do that. Um, so I think that that's really promising. You know, I just read online the other day they're going to resurrect James Dean for a, a role in a movie which uh, has some ethical questions if you ask me. But still, you know, um, that's, that's what they're doing. So. I, I, I don't know, maybe they will switch to full CG movies or maybe people will miss the magic of, of knowing they're looking into a, another human being's eye. I'm not sure. But um, I think regardless, it's a growing medium. It's getting bigger and bigger every year. The technology is improving every year. So it's going to become a significant portion of the uh, movie making industry, but it's, gonna, it's massive for video games. You know, video games, if you want to get performance into a video game, Motion capture is the only way to do it. And so that's just going to get bigger. For people who want to get into it, I would say um, recognize that motion capture is a physical medium. It's about motion in space. And that's often neglected in other mediums. You know, in theater, it tends to be considered more. But in film, often the physicality of a character is not as important. In motion capture, you've really got to be thinking about whether you're expressing with your whole body. You know, Andy Serkis calls it pure acting. I agree with that. I think it is a, a one of the reasons actors love our classes is because we take them back to that full body, full, full sphere acting. So make sure that you've got that down. But also the most crucial skill is acting. That's number one. So make sure your acting is up to scratch. No, that was perfect. That was exactly um, like... The understanding of uh, it's still acting even if you do all the locomotions part you still have to be part of something of someone um, and sometimes you have to, to copy someone to make it like match with him like for example if you do vfx work like iron man for example it should be robert Downey jr feeling 
um, which is still the, the main part. So I hope that everyone who's listening like now have a little bit better understanding of what exactly motion capture performance capture is. We ended up talking more about this topic than I than I've planned to, by the way. <laughs> I was I was I was hoping we're we're even diving deeper into all the like like how you became there and because you, you talked you talked about um you were interested in technology itself and it's one of the reasons um you were also interested in motion capture in not just acting or just martial arts but being part of that because you were you were interested in multiple fields at the same time and one of them was technology and that's why i became um but that's fine I, I was i was i was hooked by all by all this like all these questions all these topics uh, you were giving me so i was kind of oh let's stay let's stay the course and um yeah it was very lovely and i think um everyone who was who listening have now a little bit more understanding i definitely have more respect even if i i knew already your job before but i still and that's one of the reasons I'm doing this is basically to get exactly the deepest knowledge of, of, an, of an area of a person um, which goes away from the public eye, you know, which is like basically ask the question, which if you live this life like you are, or if you do this job, like how you feel, what you do and um, is that something that fulfills you, for example. And I think this is like the, the the reason why we do I'm doing this show basically is to dive deeper into um, like areas which maybe sometimes are a little bit overlooked, and uh, definitely performance capture and motion capture is definitely one of them. So I'm super happy that we could could do that and you could share some insights um, with us here. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for watching. For more content, go on 21artistshow.com to find all the links to YouTube, Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. If you love the show and like me to keep it going, subscribe on your favorite platform. You can also support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Alexander Richter. See you on the next episode.